Jimmy! I say you cope with my blood! Can you get my blood? Jimmy! Hello and welcome to another Woodshop Podcast with Mike Coffey of Coffee Custom Builds, Daniel Dunlap of Daniel Dunlap Woodworks, and Peter Kapar of Petrie's Workshop. You can find us all as well as the podcast on Instagram and YouTube. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 86 of another Woodshop Podcast featuring... Jimmy Duresta, who thought no better way to celebrate 10 years on YouTube than to spend it with these three bozos. What's going on? Thanks for joining us, man. In the pre-show, you guys asked me how long I'd been on it, and I went and looked at my first video, and it happens to be exactly 10 years ago today. That's so crazy. We planned that. It's amazing. That was planned. yeah. We we definitely went onto your YouTube channel, looked at what date it was, and proposed it to you to come on the show. (laughs) Because I I had no idea if I was like... I was like, it's somewhere around now, but I thought it was 2012 when I started. So I, I said right away, I said, I think I'm at nine years. I didn't realize it was at 12. That's awesome. That's so wow. Very nice. And it's, yep. and it's working out pretty good for you over there from what it's, I understand. Okay. <laughs> you know, God's honest truth, I still feel like I'm just getting started. I really do. Oh, you know, boy. Because this business is like the Wild West still, you know, like oh, yeah. what we're all doing. Like any one of us could be the next big breakout star. You know, it's just... You just never know, you know, like there's some of us that have tremendous amount of, of subscribers and th- there's no telling why. And there's some of us that have lots and lots of views, but less subscribers and there's no telling why. It's just such a wacky, weird business. And, you know, some of us make a ton of money with little subscribers and little views. Some of us make no money with lots and lots of subscribers. And, <laughs> and lots some of, of us make no money with no subscribers. That's the weirdest thing. <laughs> so it's just such a wacky, wacky business. But like the one thing that seems to ring through the entire uh, business itself is just people enjoying themselves, doing what they really want to do, whether they're rich, poor, or just happy, just passing time. Love it. Yeah. Preach. Got to enjoy it. Yeah. Well, obviously, we got Jimmy on the show. He's been <clears throat> telling us about, you know, the basics of YouTube, which no one seems to understand. Uh, but, you know. <laughs> Algorithm. Try to make me. the best of it. <laughs> so, um, real quick, I did want to say before we get going, big thanks to our patrons for sponsoring the show. You guys are amazing. We uh, couldn't do the show without you. So, big thanks to you guys for that. Uh, we're going to kind of truncate some of the things this week just because we have Jimmy on the show. Mm-hmm. And that's not something we get to do ever. And uh, we got like 50 questions. <laughs> Yeah. So we're going to quickly right jump into uh we're going to quickly <clears throat> jump into what we've been going on this week. I'm going to throw it to Jimmy first, but first we got to hear our intro music for that segment of what's on my bench and that's this right here. What's on my bench? Thank you Dan, your voice your voice is beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> that that says like what's that on my bench song. by the way. It just sounds like something else. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Who made that opening song? Is that something you found? That's, like that's Dan. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, Dan's the opening singing. song. No, 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 no. <laughs> oh, our, yeah, that's a the opening that's epidemic song. song. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a song from Epidemic what? that I dubbed our uh, our intro over. Oh, yeah, a, I like that. Licensing. Yeah, Spanish salsa? Is that what it's called? Like that? Yeah. Spanish fly. Spanish, Spanish fly. fly, yeah. Spanish salsa. <laughs> yeah. I dig, I dig uh, that beat. Yeah, it's good. It was good. It was good. Well, anyway, Jimmy, what have you been up to this week? I am, I don't know if you saw my Instagram today. It's been a busy week uh, just because I was in Vegas last week for the National Hardware Show. So I came back and just trying to get a groove. I finished my Carolina uh, tailgate, Carolina Boots tailgate yes, video. Yes, that I came out Carolina. really cool. Yeah. 
Thank you. I wanted to, that's an old project. And you know what I've been getting a lot of requests of lately is redoing old projects. A lot of people are like, what if you're going to do something now? You know, like would I not necessarily do it most simply with say laser cutters or CNCs, but you know, if you were to do it now, what changes would you make? And I spent all this time, the very first time I did a tailgate, stamping metal, trying to figure out how to stamp metal. And then I thought I could actually stamp steel in that first video and then weld it in so you could see the logo from the inside of the tailgate and the outside. So it would oh. look like, like just like a Chevy logo would look mm-hmm. in those old cars. And, uh, you know, I, I did a horrible job in that first video. I put it out anyway. Mm-hmm. There's a question coming up about failures. And that's one of the videos yeah. I, that I posted where I kind of had a failure. And I said, you know, I'll figure this out in time. And then ultimately I ended up like taking that tailgate apart and burying that stuff in resin burying those letters in resin. And I did that just a couple summers ago after all this time. It was almost nine years ago I did that video. Anyway, so when I had to approach this Carolina shoe video from scratch, I was like, how would I do it now with the total boat technology, which is just ever present, a lot more user-friendly. Yes. Back six or seven years ago, resin was like for chemists, yeah. you know, and yep. the occasional person who was, you know, brave enough to figure it out. And now we're all using total boat resin. And so- mm-hmm. I said, let me show how you could just cut some letters and you know some relatively thin plastic, pour a little bit of resin to effuse the plastic to the metal, and then you end up looking like stamped metal. And then you know, yeah, that was really cool how you did that. Cool. What Thank that you. looked like quarter inch acrylic you were using? Yeah, well, I think it was only eighth inch thick acrylic. Oh, okay. <clears throat> yeah, it was just eighth inch thick acrylic, and uh, just the resin was just enough to kind of keep it kissed to the surface of the metal, you know. Nice. And create that little well, so it tr- creates that stamped the metal look awesome awesome yeah very so i did that and uh you know just organizing my machine shop with the new tool bench that we moved in there today then i got stuck in the mud that's a monster <laughs> tool bench. did you see that toolbox <laughs> i made with all the uh oh yeah yeah with that I mean, uh that, that like butcher island. block countertop you <laughs> put on top of it yeah butcher block island top yeah i wanted i just need storage i have so many starrett tools and you know all the stuff for the south bend lathe and the bridgeport mill i just need it all laid out and I'm horrible when it comes to organizing. Did you get that? I was, I was listening to your podcast and you were talking about that big bandsaw you're getting. Those two bandsaws, the 48 inch. Did you get those yeah. yet? No, they're they're right now they're at Keith Rucker's place down in Georgia, and yeah. he's restoring one of them. The second one doesn't have wheels and a couple of other primary uh, elements like sh- like shafts and stuff like that. Right. So he's uh, you know one of the the caps is missing from one of the shafts, and so he's gonna possibly use bandsaw one to mock up the parts of bandsaw two and i told him to keep it you know obviously you know i want to pay him back as best i can and he said no 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 let's let's pick we'll, we'll restore it he goes i don't have room for it frankly because i don't i don't want it here. he goes <laughs> we'll restore it and we'll find some a new home for it so i'll get bandsaw one bandsaw two will go to you know some lucky person in the community, museum <laughs> oh maybe, wow in the community you know, that's awesome Awesome. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's what me and Keith are talking about. We'll figure out where that's it could super live. cool. You know, maybe somebody would want it, you know, besides that's me. That's awesome. Yeah, super cool. <clears throat> so dope. Yeah. Well, you got anything else? No, that's it. Just basically, you know, just uh, my to do list is is never never ending. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, Pete, what you got going on this week? Um, I had a pretty uh, straightforward week. I got a couple of jobs. I got a sign that I got to make for a customer for a couple of climbing friends from my old rock climbing gym, but they have a dentistry or not dentistry, uh, sorry, physical therapy business and another business. So that we're, I'm going to be making outdoor signs for them. Uh, I am making a t- ash tabletop and hitting it with that Rubio chocolate that you guys recommended. Thank you for that. So that's going to be probably tomorrow or Saturday. I'm going to finish it. 
And it smells good, doesn't it? I don't know. That I, Rubio? I haven't mixed it yet, oh. so I'm excited. Does it smell that good? Am I the only- Jimmy, have you used Rubio? It smells I like apple not. pie. Does it? Oh, I was I, hoping you know, it does. Would. It smells like apple pie. It's good. Oh, I'm really excited I have now. Not. I need more confirmation that it smells like apple so pie. So even the chocolate good. one will smell like apple pie. <clears throat> It's it does the same. Try. It's just okay. died. <laughs> um, so I'm excited for that. And uh, what else? And then I, uh, I was I was a little sick the last two days. So I just kind of been MIA. Uh, been nursing a little uh, life hangover. <laughs> just sick, not feeling well. A little fever. So uh, I'm back. I'm back, baby. I'm feeling great right now. And, Welcome uh, back, Pete. Th- yeah, thank you. Dan, what's on your bench? Uh, you guys are never going to guess, but... Uh, if you say bow ties, I'm going to lose it. I've been cutting a lot of bow ties. A lot of bow ties, my man. I had I had a, a, a banger of a day last Sunday for bow tie production. Like I this may not sound like much to some, but like I got fourteen orders of bow ties Whoa. on Sunday Whoa. alone. You do, Tens of dollars we're talking here. Dan, you do realize Tens. like the holidays are coming up and you're probably gonna quadruple those sales. Are you ready for I that? I hope so. I need to put food on the table for the kids <laughs> and stuff. So uh, so I got that. I got the material to make a floating shelf for a client. Uh, it's actually a pretty big floating shelf. It's going to be like 60 inches long and it's going to stick out 10 inches. So, um, And uh, I got the uh, Peruvian walnut desk base done, that Zorro base. That's all built. I got the drawers in it. All I need to do now is finish sand it and hit it with some lacquer and it'll be done. And I... I'm hoping to have that to my client on Sunday afternoon, you know, whatever, nice. God willing or whatever. And uh, I, I think other than that, it's just been basic, you know, shop maintenance, you know, cleaning up after myself. That takes a lot of time. <laughs> I really, I really need to train one of my kids to just follow me around in the shop and pick up <laughs> after me because I With a clearly can't do it. Trash bag. <laughs> John, <laughs> <Yeah>. tool bench. <laughs> I can't do it. I'm terrible at it. Anyway, that's my that's my week. Short, truncated. Mike, tell me about yours. Uh, just week. Your still week. Fighting. Just still fighting with the power <laughs> for the new shop. I'm. Uh, looks like they're gonna have an electrician out here tomorrow to run the, or to set the box for the disconnect for the new meter for the new shop and run the power to the shop. So hopefully they actually show up. What tomorrow. are you building? I just bought five acres. I just bought a big piece of property and uh, I moved my shop. We're in the middle of, we just, we sold our other house. I bought this place. My, I, I, I was in a smaller shop before and I just moved to this mm-hmm. new place. It's got a shop on the property, but I'm running the power. So I had, I had, um, I'm putting a 200 amp service to the shop. Nice. Uh, so it'll have its own, its own meter. And uh, mm-hmm. as soon as we get the other house sold, I'm blowing out the back wall and adding on like 1300 more square feet. So it'll be about nice. twenty four hundred, or it'll be about twenty three hundred square feet when I'm done. So I need space nice. in there because I'm trying to bring my Are I'm bringing my cousin on. So why not? Are you yeah. rural or is it more like a suburb? I'm rural now. I mean, where I was was kind of foothills before, but we're. I mean, I'm all the lots around us are five plus acres. So on our street, there's like, three ha- like East Durham. A little bit. Yeah, it's like that. It's it's exactly like that. I'm pretty rural, yeah. so I'm outside of Sacramento about an about 45 minutes. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar yeah. with the area, but um, it's 
we got five acres out here. It used to be a Christmas tree farm. It's a super cool property, but I'm I'm fighting with uh, getting the power out here just because we had a big storm roll through here last weekend. Was it last weekend? Yeah, I guess it was yeah, last weekend. We got like weekend. six and a half inches of rain in one day, which was a record yeah. for California. It was the most rain we've ever had in one shot out here. So uh, it was a, a lot of stuff. So my electrician had to go to his other job sites. Totally understandable. It just sucks. I'm tired of waiting for power. So my, my big tools are just sitting there. But I've got mm-hmm. a... Um, I've got a bunch of stuff coming up. I've, I had a, I had, I won't talk about this table <laughs> this week because we're kind of truncating it, but I had the cedar table that I'm doing for my sales tax guy and I had problems with that, but I've, that thing's finally done and I've got a table for a client. She's a returning customer. I'm um, building this boomerang shaped table, which is actually a really, it's actually really cool. I really I like pretty this cool. table yeah. a lot. It's, it's just cool. It's different, you know, boomer, big old boomerang shape. It's like, uh, Did- you know. Fun fact, so, didn't you know that uh, Australia's first export was a boomerang? It's also their first import. Dan hits us with random fun facts sometimes. <laughs> that, that's, a boomer, that's, a, that, that's a boomerang. That's a boomerang joke. Yeah, what goes around comes around. Oh, like a boomerang. Yeah. Oh, like, he went and came back. <laughs> oh, God. I hate this show. <laughs> I'm here all week. <laughs> it's been 86 weeks uh, of puns. Come on. <laughs> you and Graz are going to get along great. <laughs> <laughs> so so I, I was trying to wrap those two up because I've got to deliver both tomorrow. I've got to deliver the cedar top and I've got to deliver this maple boomerang top tomorrow because next week I'm starting on this big redwood table for this other customer. And then I've talked about Bidwell. They're another furniture shop that's about two hours north of here. I work with them a lot. Uh, I'm working with them on a 24-foot-long table that's shaped like a triangle. And I've got about a 1,000 board feet of white oak coming next week. That I'm, gonna be making pan- wow. that I'm going to be making panels out of because we're going to be turning that into a big, big, huge conference table for a big office. You're going to need an area. extra hand to lift that bad boy up. I have a yeah. well, so it's, right now. it's 12, it's 12 panels, right? And they're all being put together in place with this giant, <clears throat> massive base that Aaron's making at Bidwell. The base is huge. It's, it's a bunch of panels. So, um, I got that going and then I've got some legs for them and then I've got, um, I've got to get this spa stairs done for this lady um but it's just a busy week right now and i just really need power really bad so soon uh, that's coming. pretty much my week yeah it's but coming. instead you hard. got a moat i mean <laughs> yeah i you got I that nice moat foot, that's pretty cool i got an 80 foot trench dug between my house and my shop for us to run the to run the direct burial romex I totally and i totally know that feeling <laughs> it's just like, fill that sucker with alligators call it a day dude it's just i have so much digging to do tomorrow it's gonna be ridiculous <laughs> but anyway um yeah, and then tomorrow's my son's birthday. He turns five, and then we got a bunch one of people every coming year. over Saturday. <laughs> I know we got we got we got a bunch of people coming over Saturday for his birthday, and it's just like just never ends. It is what it is. But anyway, so that's my week. Um, awesome. Well, cool. Should let's we uh, questions? let's jump in. Yeah, let's jump into questions because we got a bunch of them. We put the call out for because Jimmy's here, and, and these uh, are Jimmy only questions. Get, yeah, we're yeah. not going to talk. No, we, we're going to follow no. up for sure. But yep. these are these are directed directly <laughs> at at Duresta. Uh, so. This first one is from Adam Barnett. Adam, <clears throat> always appreciate you. Always call in, buddy. Don't embarrass the boys. Don't embarrass the boys. Don't ask stupid questions. All right, hit record. <laughs> hey, guys. Adam here from Barnett Custom Woodworks. So, Jimmy, I kind of have a two-parter question. The first part is, what is your favorite medium to work with? And branching off of that, I, myself, started a wood shop in my garage two years ago. But my day job for the last 20 years has been metalwork and fabrication, welding, stuff like that. I want to bring a little bit of that home 
and start fabricating my own table legs and this and that. But I've watched a ton of your videos and it seems like you just throw the welder on the shop table and weld away in the wood shop. What would you recommend as far as the hazards and the safety precautions to take when trying to incorporate that metalwork into the wood shop? Can't wait to hear answers. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Jim, uh, you I think the most important thing is to have a fire extinguisher nearby because, you know, fire goes really quickly and it's uh, really important to be able to put it out if you lose control. It's, uh, you got to have a really keen sense of, of smell, constantly be looking. And when you leave, go home, lay in bed and jump out of bed and run back and double check because that's what happens <laughs> to me every single time. You, uh, it's really important that uh, you can create an environment that's blocked by either creating a little short metal knee wall around your, your table. Mm. If you have like a pile of two by fours leaning on the wall with lots of little tiny pieces all in between them, all those fancy strips of walnut and, and maple you don't want to throw out, make sure you have a, something in front of it just like a sheet of metal or something because any of those little sparks will set it off. You, you see, I'm wearing a, I'm wearing a Carhartt hoodie and I'm always modifying them. And this one, I got a pocket sewn onto it. I had a brand new Carhartt hoodie. Every season I destroy about three of them. <laughs> and it, I remember I bought a brand new hoodie and it had, I probably was a day old. And I said, let me going to put it all the way over here. So when I weld it, I don't mess it up. And so I put it all the way, like maybe 10 feet away from my welding table. You guys remember like in my early videos, I used to weld in this little brick corner Yes. and I was welding into that little brick corner <clears throat> and cause it was at, just outside the wood shop, but there was enough jar garbage in there anyway, still the same type of hazard. <laughs> and I smelled what smelled like cotton candy while I'm welding. I'm like, well, oh, that smells good. I wonder what that is. And uh, I thought maybe one <laughs> well, of my I'm neighbors was like making popcorn or something because I always get all the smells from all the food in the neighborhood. And I'm welding and welding and welding. And then I'm like, damn, that smell is like so intense. It's got to be in this room. So I start looking around for something burning. And I pick up my brand new hoodie. And like the whole entire armpit is completely burned out. <laughs> it had been smoldering. And it's just like, for some reason, this like nice, fresh cotton, brand new cohort hoodie. I hear they like make the sweetest candy. clothes. Yeah. Oh. And uh, so those little tiny specks can become a big fire. It, it's really important. And, uh, you know, another really <clears throat> obviously keep a fire extinguisher around. Uh, first rule, don't do it. Second rule, block everything. Third rule, make sure you have a fire extinguisher under all circumstances. And then when you're done welding, hang out for at least two hours. Don't so, just weld and split. <clears throat> weld so just, and then sorry, for two hours. Yeah. So just to be clear. You're not just welding willy-nilly and, you know, throwing caution to the wind. You're actually taking precautions to, yeah. to I do that because I, yeah, it I, sounded I to me did. like Adam thought that maybe you weren't. You were just tossing the welder up on your workbench and going to town. Yeah, no, and I do do that. <clears throat> uh, but, you know, I am making sure that if I'm grinding, for instance, you know, when you grind and you always like end up burning a hole right in the bottom of your, your shirt because you're putting all this <laughs> yes. grinding. And then sometimes you grind sideways and you're just throwing sparks against like a, you know, a propane tank. You don't even realize it. <laughs> it's just really important. Like whenever I would grind in the old small shop, make sure that the grinding sparks are, are going into something that's not going to catch fire, you know, like a sheet of metal, for instance, or it, it, on camera, you see it going off on camera. It's shooting away from the camera, 
but it's not going into a wood pile. You know, it's certainly not. Right. You know, it, it's just I have this reputation of being a little loosey goosey, and 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 I am, but. Like I said, I would never weld and just leave. You know, Taylor welded all the time, would weld in the New York City shop. And absolute standard practice, she'd weld and I'd say tinker or clean up for an hour. Do something just to kill time, but don't just walk away because we could burn the whole entire building down. We'd put 20 families out of, you know, out of a home. You know, even if it was just a smoke condition, that would make everybody leave for, you know, a day or two. Good Good practice. So so would you say it's worth... I was gonna like, say, would you say it's worth trying to like dedicate a separate building to that? I mean, if you're if that's possible, yeah. it seems like it would be right. I mean, just make a separate outbuilding yeah. just for welding, right? I mean, yeah. you want all that. I mean, stuff. like I said, it, it it didn't seem like it, but when I welded in, the, in my city shop, I was welding just outside of the wood shop in an area that was all brick. Again, it's still to the untrained person, it's still just right. as dangerous, and it probably yep, yep. was. But when I was welding and grinding, I'd close that little metal door that was just to my right shoulder. And then, you know, the dust would primarily stay in that little cemented area, bricked area. And you just got to be super careful. You know, even though I was welding in those areas, I would still wait hours. You know, when I had a lot, a lot of welding to do, I'd bring all my project to the front room. And the front room, which really wasn't my room, I would only just take it over if I needed to for a project. And I would just, because there was no wood in there at all. No wood, no dust. It was just all just brick room. And I would just weld in there. Was that when you were in that basement shop? Yeah, their place had about four different rooms, and oh. I only paid for one of them. So, but the nobody else was there, so the the landlord right. really didn't care if I did a small project for a couple of days in another room or not. But just as long as I didn't start setting up workbenches and stuff, <laughs> or burn the place down, yeah, probably. Or burn it down. Yeah. yeah. Well, obviously, welders and like grinders, they're they're making sparks. But does it, I mean it? It's really important to keep fire extinguishers extinguishers in your shops, especially with like oh, yeah, these automated way. tools people have nowadays. You see a lot more of them in people's shop. You got a CNC running or whatever, a laser going or some sort of plasma yeah. cut or whatever. You 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 don't pay attention to it for a few minutes. That thing gets hung up, or if for some reason your spindle stops traveling and you got a CNC spindle spinning in a piece of wood, it could start fire. And if you just don't want to be, you don't want to get too complacent with those things in general. So fire extinguisher is definitely something I added to the new shop. I've got three of them in the shop now. They're by the spots where I think it's the most high risk, but you got to have them in there. So, And when I'm doing something with the torch, for instance, I use like the propane torch to heat up metal or to make a, you know, a silver solder joint. I always make sure, like before I pull that trigger, I just look around. I'm like, "Where's the nearest fire extinguisher?" Because oh, they get smart. moved around, knocked yeah. over. You know, I have, and I we scavenge them too. Like my neighbors throw them away sometimes when they move out of these spaces. So I'm always scavenging them. So I'm always like looking for one, make sure that the needle is in the green. I'm like, okay, let's do this. Um, <clears throat> there, that that type of fire will like least will sneak up on you when you least expect it. Case in point, one time I had the propane torch on because I was like heating up like some kind of wax or something. And then somebody came in the room and pulled the trigger on compressed air. And that hit a, a fireball came out. Yeah. Whoa. Oh. Do you know compressed air is, yeah. Fl- yeah. is flammable? <laughs> I didn't realize oh, that. the air is? The person. <clears throat> Holy yeah. Jesus. It fe- fuels the fire, right? So. <clears throat> well, not only that, like the, there was like a huge ball of fire that came out of this can of wow. compressed air. Oh, oh like an oh, air oh, can of compressor. Yeah, oh, those yeah. are for sure. Yeah. 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 Those yeah. are a nightmare. <laughs> I, w- I was thinking air compressor too. I think we yeah, all Yeah, me were. too. I was like, <laughs> no, no, no. Like, a, yeah, like a, but, you know, yeah, the clean can. off your keyboard ones. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So wow. is metal working your favorite medium? Because he was asking about like, what's, what's your favorite yeah, medium? Yeah. I, I personally, uh, I mean, <clears throat> it's, when I carve something, it's it's super rewarding, which I haven't done in a while. I made that heart guitar over the summer, but 
when I carved something back in you know in the early 2000s, that was always fun. It just takes so long, and I haven't really dug into it literally too much lately. But uh, I like machining. I, I really enjoy making something on the lathe out of brass. You know, the cannons that I've made have been some of the things I'm most proud of. Just figuring out ways of like machining and leaving, and then turning those little leftover spots into what looks like ribs. And you know, metalwork for me has been a great discovery over the last several years because I didn't have the means to do it. Before I got on YouTube, I just did all woodwork. I did buy a machine lathe. I didn't really understand how to use it until I got onto YouTube and working with other machinists until I really felt the full potential of my South Bend lathe. And then is that because of the extreme accuracy? It, oh, sorry. What do you uh, think it is? No, no, no. Uh, no, just like being exposed to like Mr. Pete and other people like A-Bomb, you know, being exposed to other people that are using the lathe. I was working in a vacuum before I discovered YouTube. I was just working right. on lathe, like not knowing what have to, you know, not knowing how the power feed works. And I was a little lazy too. I mean, I was like, oh, one day I'll figure out how that works. I'll read a book. But I was like, until then, I'll this, this is all I needed for. And uh, then when I started seeing other people doing, you know, using the back gears and, and the power feeds, the cross feeds and stuff like that. And I started to really understand what they were for and how to use them. And that's when I really started to get more into it. Now it's only for me, it's been like, you know, within the last eight, nine years. Yeah. That's it's, the, it that's, really looks cool. It's great discovery. And, and, you know, it's very rewarding to unlock the secrets of some of these machines. Yeah, for sure. It's like a, I mean, it's a <clears> skill you get to teach yourself and learn and then show other people. It's just all these amazing things mm -hmm. come out of all these new tools. It's great. Yeah. Okay. So the next question is from Dave 3D DIY Dave. It's a little callback <laughs> joke to last week's episode. Hey guys, short time listener, first time caller. This is <laughs> Alex from 3D DIY Dave. My question for Jimmy is that you make all these projects you do look really easy, but has there ever been a time where a project was just so difficult that you remember? that you had to kind of just call it quits, step away, or come back another time with a new solution. What was that project? Thanks so much. Baloy signing <laughs> off. <laughs> I, I talked about the tailgate video. If you go back and yep. watch my very first, you know, duress the tailgate is what the title is. I try and stamp metal. I CNC'd out this logo that looked, it was my, it was my name, but I try to make it look like the old classic Chevy logo from the 60s. And I cut out the letters that mimic that same font, but that spell out my name. And I tried to stamp them in 16-gauge steel. I didn't know enough about steel at the time. And I was like, whoa, what am I trying to do? I'm trying to stamp. I had the concept right, but I had like the wrong hydraulic. I had the, the wrong material for the wrong you know finish part. And I had this thin aluminum. I was like, let me at least see what it does on this. And boom, it worked perfect on the thin aluminum. But I didn't know enough about TIG welding to be able to TIG weld that. And I couldn't TIG weld aluminum to steel. I was going to try and put these stamped panels in so that you could see both sides of the logo from the inside and the outside. Anyway, in that video, I just pop riveted it on like in a real haphazard, shitty way. But And I, I, I always considered that a failure. I published the video anyway. I get tons of hate mail because everyone's like, you think this is good? <laughs> And if you read the description, like, I, know this, I know this isn't good, but you know what? This is where I am in my learning right now. And this right. is, this is my, you know, this is Share my the technical truth. capacity yeah. right here and now. And I'm sure, you know, it'll, it'll change in time as long as I'm motivated. And, uh, you know, I, I've done that a few times. Like I think I made for Carolina shoes. I, I did a, a welded toolbox and I did horrible aluminum welds, um, it's only because I just didn't have enough practice TIG welding aluminum. Mm. And, and I was like, you know what? I can spend 
three days grinding out all these welds. And I was like, you know what? Let me leave it honest and I'll just show everybody my horrible welds. And everyone's like, what is wrong with you? I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm just learning. I mean, I, I, you know, you I'm can... in the ballpark <clears throat> as far as concepts go. Conceptually, I'm in the ballpark, but I don't, you know, I don't have enough skill to, I'm better at it now. You can always count on the internet to tell you how bad you are. <laughs> oh, believe me, yeah. And uh, anyway, so that's, you know, there are projects that are up there. And there are the projects that I just never published because I'm like, you know what? This looks like, this looks like crap. And, you know, <laughs> I said it on our podcast a couple months ago where, like, I used to be able to just, like, solder a key, a clip to a key. And that got lots of views. And now... <laughs> You got CNC machines, you got laser cutters, you got super skilled guys like, you know, Click Spring and, you know, Bourbon Moth. And you got these guys that are like, they know their shit really well and they're really talented, you know. There's, the competition is fierce, you know. So I, I try, you know, as time goes on, you know, I, I don't sometimes have the time to do a super skillfully executed project. I just try and come up with clever either ways of doing things that are you know inspiring so like the video content itself is the the skillful thing as opposed to the actual thing i'm making um makes sense you know what i mean i try and take that mm -hmm. approach as opposed to like what clickspring is making you know the antikythera mechanism like who the fuck's gonna be able to make that? <laughs> and he's making it the way the guy who made it you know, four originally years made, ago it. made it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the tools, of, and you know, the whole time he's like, right, right. and this is how I. He's do wearing loincloths. File. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is how I make a file, and this is how you dictate on the file. I'm like, that guy's unbelievable. I, I actually met him once on Zoom. I walked into my buddy's house, and they were on Zoom together, and so I got a chance to meet Chris in person. A sweet guy. It's awesome. Unbelievably talented, and you know, just obviously an incredible, incredible YouTube channel. Um, and this old Tony, you know, like this, the shit that this old Tony does. And, you know, he's so humble and sweet when he puts these videos up and he's such a sweet guy and he makes it all seem so approachable. They said, you know, the stakes are really high. So, you know, I, I, I fail more often only because the stakes are higher in the back in the day, I'd be able to put up anything and it'd be like, uh, maybe it's not great, but whatever. It'd be good. <laughs> the idea is there, you know, I'm in the concept ballpark. I might not be in the execution ballpark <laughs> nowadays. You know, you got to have like. You have your, all your, your T's crossed and all your I's dotted. No, but there, I, there's something to be said about doing it wrong while learning. Not not to troll people, yeah. but actually just learning. Yeah, you're going to yeah. get a lot of hate I feel like mail. you're attacking me right now. No, but like, well, <laughs> I, I joke that Dan knows about that because Dan's gotten some hate mail for some stuff that he's done that Well, works. I post stuff knowing that it, it's bad and I'll yeah. I'll put a caption on it and say, this is this is the most perfect build ever. That's you the can't, thing. You At can't the end of the this. day, engagement <laughs> is engagement. Whether it's yeah. bad or good, you're getting engaged, especially on a platform where a view counts. You don't have to thumbs it up or anything. Just a view counts, you know? So Yeah. Yep. I don't know. So, yeah, there's, so. there's definitely something to be said about uh, learning from your failures. I mean, if you, if you aren't failing, you're not learning. I, I can't remember who said that, but it is so true. Yeah, no, yep. that's true. You know, it's uh, a lot of people – I say this all the time and, you know, you reminded me about – uh, I'm reminding myself about something I've been meaning to talk about. Um, the 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 idea that uh, you know you gotta constantly challenge yourself, and you know if if 
I, can't, I lost it. I lost the, it. I, I had complacency is the like, enemy of creativity is the one I always yeah. think about when it comes to that. So that's true. I had something a little yeah. bit more specific than that, but it oh. fucked that away from me. But uh, no, I, I, cause I, something, anyway, I, I just was trying to see three things at the same time and I lost. Three, but, <laughs> Welcome but, to my world, Jimmy. <laughs> it's, it's just important. The, the, the abbreviated thought is it's important to just constantly challenge yourself and Absolutely. don't, don't think you know everything and you know yes. and the uh, the other thing is don't be afraid to don't just you can't be afraid like i you know there's somebody close to me and i don't want to out them but there's somebody close to me that it's doesn't gross. try hard enough doesn't try it's, hard it's enough and gross. i wish gross, yeah. It's, yeah, it's <laughs> gross. i have something to tell you no but there's somebody near me that doesn't try hard enough and it's simply because they're just afraid to try new things because they don't want to get complicated they don't want to get in the complicated muck and mire of of you know not being able to get out yep. of it but i i kind of thrive on that in a way i'll jump right in going oh my god i'm not sure why i'm doing this but i'll jump in and then when i figure it out or you know i'm 90 percent through it and i'm like okay this isn't a hunt this isn't click spring quality but you know what what i learned is more important than what i did you know and uh but it also increases your self-esteem yeah, yeah. You can tell like 50% of it is just starting. It's amazing. Sorry. But like, yeah, you just got to start the project. Like starting is the hardest part of the project. And that could be 80% of the project. You might get into it and be like, whoa, wait, this is, I can do this. This is easy. I used to get crippled by the fear of failure. Like I wouldn't want to start something because it it scared me to to think about it because I was like, you you can't do this. You're going to fail. Yep. And I wouldn't do the thing. I just started taking yeah. on commissions again. I took a, like a year off because they were stressing me out. And I'm, I'm at that point where I'm like, oh, well, what if they don't like it? Whatever. I'm like, no, I just got to start it. And I just started. Yeah. I started milling up lumber. I'm like, wow, I'm half done just doing this one thing. Yeah. That's By it. By the way, just, Mike, yeah. we should probably- well, you got two options. Let's, you can keep- I was going to say, you got two options. You can keep building the same thing over and over again. And that sounds horrible to me. I mean, I don't know yeah. if like for maybe some people are fine with building the same thing over again, but building the same thing over and over again sounds horrible. But it, mm-hmm. so the only way to get out of that is to take on new things that you would normally do. That's the only way to get out of that. So you got to do it. But what were you saying, Pete? Sorry. Uh, I was going to say, why don't we play Jack's question next? Uh, because it's talking about failures and that's kind of what we're talking about. And then we can go back to yeah. Ed. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. We'll go to uh, Jack with Salish Sea real quick. He's got this for Jimmy. What's up, guys? It's Jack from Sailor Sea Woodworks up here in Seattle, Washington. And I had a question about failures, particularly on social media, whether they're content creators, builders, makers. We often see folks' successes. We see those great projects, those home runs. And we don't often see folks' failures, mistakes, and setbacks. Uh, And I think how you respond to those failures can be really important to success and your future successes. So my question is, what's a major failure you've had in building your brand or your business? And what lessons did you learn? And how did you respond to that? That's been an important impact on your success and future successes. Thanks so much. And looking forward to hearing your answers. Uh, The first thing that comes to mind, uh, and it's something everybody's seen, I consider it a failure only because the reason I started making my jeans was to, to try and get a licensing deal with somebody. And I thought, let me do them on my own for a little while. And then COVID hit and it slowed everything down. But let me do them on my own for the first couple of batches. 
and then see if I can land a licensing deal. That was the whole reason I went into the jeans business is to see if I can get a licensing deal with a clothing company. Basically like, look what I'm doing on my own with your help. You guys could really take it somewhere. And I did not get a licensing deal. There is still conversations going on and I'm starting to do business with Walmart. So it might come up again. I don't know. We're not in the clothing business with Walmart, but who knows where that whole relationship can lead to. But, um, I consider that a failure in the way that it costs a lot of money, time, and energy for me to learn. I don't want to be in the clothing business, you know. Mm. So it, it's it's not all roses, you know. Even like when I started talking about the clothing business, uh, Alex Steele wrote me right away because he heard I was doing it, and he, his pants came out around the same time mine did, a couple of weeks before mine. And uh, you know, we're both trying to do workwear, and Alex seems like he got his figured out a little bit more easily and more subtly than mine because we were kind of doing all made in America, all made in New York. You know, the price people, I even got messages like, how dare you charge $320 for a pair of jeans? I'm like, at $320 a pair of jeans, I'm still not even making any money. Right. The margins are like, still low at 320 <clears throat> Yeah, you're person, not making those on volume. No. I mean, a, a $320 something dollars a pair of jeans pre-sell, you know, so people are buying them before they're made. I, I, the, the unit cost was like $150 because they were hand sewn. The entire things were hand sewn. So, you know... People just assume that like Levi's are 40, 50, 70, $70 at the most, that so should my jeans be. But Levi's have been making jeans for 150 years. Yep. Well, and it's machines and they're made in Vietnam and it's a totally different scenario. You're not paying. Yeah, it's the bamboo the, cutting board. Same thing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's the same thing I mean, with any any custom project, exactly. really. Handmade yeah. is going to cost you more. Yeah. But like I said, people don't realize that. They don't realize like. In fact, most all clothes are handmade. I mean, there's there is very little thing that's automated. You, may, you might have like automated like sergers and stuff like that, but in general, you know, like the way they cut patterns for jeans and shirts mm. and jackets, it's all handmade. Oh, the sewers are trained. Everything is handmade. Nothing is really automated. Oh, I, that I that I know of. I've never seen any automated clothes. I, that being said, I don't even. I assumed. Certain. I actually assumed it was that. I didn't. I have no knowledge of clothing. No, making. every <laughs> garment is handmade, but. Wow. Where it's handmade also is relative to how much it costs. Yeah, you know, if sure. you're in a sew house that's in Vietnam, obviously, you know, the price of the labor is going to be low. If you're in yeah. a sew house in Midtown Manhattan, which is where we were, like all our clothes are made right in Manhattan. Um, you know, it's unbelievably you mo- cover the most your rent. expensive. <laughs> the most expensive place in the entire world is where we made our clothes yeah. because we yeah. can control it. And the person, you guys have, might have seen Christine on my stories. Christine worked for Ralph Lauren for 25 years and. You know, so the whole thing from the beginning was just expensive taste. And again, I went into it. I argued with my business partner about it from the beginning. We started it. It was like I said, hey, look, let's just do this to get a licensing deal. I kind of was a little cocky thinking that I was going to get like, a, you know, a Walmart deal or like a Jesse James did or something like that. But, you know, I, I as, as famous as, you know, you guys might think I am. I mean, there's lots of places where I, you know, I, I'm not famous at all in, you know, in mark in a marketing sense. You know? Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, it's it's important to all of us. This community and this world is super duper important to us. And you're, you know, top into this world. But I could go talk to anyone in my family who doesn't care about making or any of that. And they're not going to know who any of this yeah. stuff is or any of these names. Right. You know, it's all relative. I mean, right. to us, you're very important. But in like Thank you. selling clothes to Walmart, they don't know who you <laughs> yeah. are. And it's very, I mean, it exactly. makes sense. I mean, I'm just <laughs> imagining you know like a it. giant like Jimmy cutout in Walmart, like marketing to jeans. <laughs> <laughs> and, and to be honest, and, and to and also to clarify, somebody might be listening, thinking, "Oh, who the hell does he think he is that he's gonna?" 
I was hoping to get a licensing deal on the merit of the mechanical of the jeans, not necessarily because I thought of them. You know, I was trying to get like, you know, like a, we could prove that these jeans with 12 extra pockets are what everybody wants. And well, they look a I little kind of historically cool. And that was like kind of the, that was the angle I was, I wasn't going to be like, <clears throat> simply because my name is on the belt loop, they're going to sell. I didn't think well, that. I, th I think I was I, trying to go I for more that's... of the mechanical aspect of it. But I think that will sell. I mean, people in this community will really want to support the community. We like to we like to push yeah. our money and back into the community. So I, I don't I don't think anyone who listens to this show is going to be like, God, Jimmy, crazy. He's crazy for thinking. No, I mean, yeah. I'm but did you hear they cost three hundred twenty dollars? There's no way. Yeah, but I mean, they're they're <laughs> bell bottom Derestas. Okay, I'm gonna wear bell bottom Derestas <laughs> with a knife pocket in the bell bottom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's bell bottom, so you can hide a big knife in your sock. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but seriously, this this goes back to what we were talking about in the previous question. Um, surely you've learned something from Wait. your quote unquote failure, yeah. though, right? Yeah. No, you know, like, so, like I, I I like to liken it to like <clears throat> dating. You know, like when you date somebody, you know, your significant mm -hmm. other. When you go through life and you meet the the person that might be your spouse or your person in your relationship, you meet a hundred people you know you don't want them to be your relationship. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's the same thing with skills. You know, yep. you meet skills, you go, oh, you know what? I like this person for that reason. I might stay friends with this person. This is person is somebody I'm not going to be interested in being friends with. But as you go through life, you start to realize what it is you really like, you know, because you're collecting all the things you don't like. Case in point, yeah. I, because of you and a few other people in the community, wanted to, I, the idea of restoring tools sounds so cool to me and so great and i've tried <laughs> right. multiple times to actually enjoy it and i just don't enjoy it i just don't enjoy yeah, restoring right. tools i just don't enjoy it i've wanted to try to, to be enjoy honest it because of I, people who are important to me i personally don't enjoy doing what like eric hansel rescue does yeah that's, i just want to get the machine to the point where it works, works. again yeah. and then i'm like <laughs> right that's I all i want call a pain to, we I watch me and my son again it's like a vintage car. Me and my car. son will watch his videos. Yeah, we'll watch. We, I love the process. I love watching it and consuming that content of it being restored. But man, doing it, it just sucks. I want nothing to do with that. I want a tool that works. So <laughs> anyway, yeah. uh, this next question is from Ed Cardona. This is uh, Ed's question for Jimmy right here. Hey, guys. Ed from Oak Ridge Woodworks. Uh, apologies if there's noise in the background as I'm still in New York City. Uh, this question is for, for Jimmy. Not sure if he owns a CNC or not, but I was curious on his thoughts on the uh, the growth of the use of CNCs and lasers in the maker community. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm as you guys know, looking to buy one myself, uh, ready to pull the trigger. So uh, wonder if that still makes me a, a maker or am I a designer? I'm just curious on his thoughts. Thanks. Yeah, so. I, I think CNC is just another tool. And, you know, I always I always joke about those moments in the history, the timeline of history when somebody was using a stone axe tied to a stick with a Y in it versus the guy that had his own cast iron head, you know, cast bronze head, you know, with maybe had an eye in it where the stick went up through the eye. And the guy with the, the rock came first. So he's like, what's with this iron thing? Get rid of this. This is, <laughs> this the is only a real craftsmanship. This, that's not real <laughs> this is real craftsmanship now use a piece of flintstone to carve your thing get yep. rid of that yep. metal i'm doing it the real way you're doing it the new fangled way that's <laughs> not real so those it's are fear. real moments in time it's real moments yep. in time when people look at the cnc machine and go that's not craftsmanship but when you see what some people can do with a cnc machine yep. you know like you guys are talking about sean kirsch and he was showing <laughs> me these incredible guys that are using just the just that machine 
the the uh, the, the origin, shaper origin, to, yeah, to yeah. do these most incredible dovetail joints, and it's like. I can't even conceive of how that machine was used to do that. I don't even understand like the correlation between what I'm looking at and how that machine was used to do it. So there is the artistry where you look at it and you can't see where it's, you know, the machine was used for it, but by somebody who saw it more complex than what the average person sees it for. Yep. You know what I mean? It's easier. Oh, well, they're, exactly they're using 110% of their brain for it. You know, they're using it all to the full yeah. extent. Some people do just want to get those CNCs and then they just want to buy files and have that thing do stuff for them. But then you get the guys, like you said, they, they turn that thing into a, a machine that yeah. it was never even intended to use for. And it's making stuff that's cranking stuff out that you didn't even think was possible. And that's, that's the craftsmanship. Yep. And I think you it's know, a lot of, go ahead. Pete. No, they're, they're, <laughs> We're the worst. The three axis uh, machines are, just a, kind of becoming a standard, a norm. Someone will have one in their house of some kind, a, a 3D printer, a laser, a CNC, whatever it might be. Like These are becoming norms. Uh, a small-scale fabrication in your shop of some kind or in your home as a hobbyist or whatever is becoming a real thing. I mean, I got a printer right here behind me. I have three more downstairs. I have a laser. I have a CNC. I have, I have six robots in my house. And I know of hundreds of other makers that have them or have gotten them within the last year or two because they're becoming yeah. really affordable. And like you said, it's a <coughs> tool and it does more cool stuff in a way you, you can guys, like a festival domino, but it's way more, way less expensive. Do you guys, am I correct in, in my memory when, uh, when Jay Bates got a CNC machine and he's like, I really don't know what I'm going to use it for. You guys remember those yeah. series of videos? And then, mm -hmm. and, and then he gave habit. it away. He gave it away. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Who did he give it to? He gave to it to Ben. Ben. Ben yep. got it. Yeah. And then and then he got an Avid, and he's mm -hmm. got oh, hold right. downs and oh, yeah. flippity do tabletops and <laughs> flippity do CNC joints. Those are technical terms. Yeah. 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 So the point I'm making is is how Jay Bates was a traditional is a traditional woodworker, and he kind of at first was like poo pooing the CNC machine. Like I've heard uh, the Wood Whisper go like kind of embarrassingly, you know, like excuses. Oh, I have a CNC machine, but I, I, I never really yeah. use it. Right? <laughs> yeah. Like I, it's it's like unnecessary for people to feel ashamed of having a CNC. You shouldn't machine. have to justify it. You don't need to. Yeah. It's it's you know it's you got to make. Yeah. If if you're as, if you're as talented as a woodworker as you know Spagnola, and he has to put letters in something, or or uh, you know he has to put a, a you know an epithet into something. Am I saying that word correctly? He's going to not be expected to hand carves you know New Times Roman perfectly. Yep. <laughs> Put a V-bit on a machine and you have a beautiful, you know, statement on something that's beautiful, that's handmade. And that's just accents it. It doesn't, it's nothing to be embarrassed about, you know. No, it's just, it's just an extension of your skill as a woodworker. Yep. I mean, it, it's, it shouldn't be like the thing that consumes you entirely. Yep. It should be an extension of, of your skill set. And, you know, there's entry level CNC machines. And I, <clears throat> I recently talked about this on something I did online where, you know the very the very most rudimentary CNC machine would be you know a, a printer a printing pr a printer that you would send them you know from your computer you send something to your printer and then there's a CNC machine that's like a, a plotter or a, a vinyl cutter mm -hmm. that's another CNC machine and then you get up to the laser cutters and obviously the woodworking router CNC machines. There's nothing wrong with that at all. I totally believe that's just it's just the way the world is going. It's just it's, it's another technology that's now more affordable. Yep. I mean, yeah, I would, guys used to I print out templates and then glue them together and then use that as a mock-up for a cutout with a jigsaw. Like, you were using a 2D printer. 
you know, a cutter mm-hmm. or like a template maker, basically. Yeah, like let's say, for instance, like is there anything to be embarrassed about flush routering against the template? Right, exactly. No. no why, why is that? Why then? Why you should be embarrassed to use a CNC machine? Exactly. Yep. It's a very interesting perspective that people have on that that are so against it. I remember I've told this yeah. story a few times. I went to the work. We went to WorkbenchCon in 2020, and I was not full time. And I went to uh, Katz Moses's talk about automation and how that can get a business going. And I walked away from that going, I am going to make that investment because I wanted to do this full time so bad. And I am yeah. convinced that my big machine. I was able to monetize it. That is one of the big things that got me to take doing com- <clears throat> commissions and furniture business full time was that was that machine. So it's amazing yeah, how you went, monetize a machine. You went like right. <clears throat> excuse me. You went right to a four by eight CNC. Yeah. I mean, you didn't you didn't mess around yeah. with the a tiny. I made the investment. You know, Dude, three foot by three foot. You hit the ground running too, and you did everything right. I mean, you made mistakes along the way, but it's like you went for yeah, every job you could, yeah. and you figured it out with the community. And that was the best You know, part. we talked about Derek and, you know, Derek reached out to me about two years ago and he's like, dude, he goes, I can buy a brand new machine. It's like 20 grand or whatever. He goes, or he goes right now there's a good used one. This guy got himself all jammed up in like court appearances, some guy. And so he had to sell his machine. He sold, it was a, uh, it was a, we just, oh, my phone's ringing. I don't know where it is. Where it is. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> um, it's the, uh. Derek got the uh, the CNC the CNC router parts machine. What are they called now? Avid. So oh, Avid. Derek yeah. got yeah. got a used Avid machine for less than half of that, and you know he hit the ground running as well. He figured it all out, and he was nervous in the beginning. He's like, "Should I get a machine so big? Who am I to think I need a machine that big?" I said, "Derek, if you get that machine and you figure it out, you will be so well educated on any machine." And yeah. you know he. He, really, he had the smaller, the orange one. I can't remember the name of that company. Um, Shop cra- uh, Stepcraft. 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 That's it. Yeah, yeah he had it. a Stepcraft, and uh, you know he he mastered that machine, and that's why he needed something bigger. And he ended up getting this good used uh, Avid machine, and Avid gave him some support on you know getting even though it was used, Avid gave him some support on you know getting the thing up some of their extension yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's another thing worth bringing up. Uh, a lot of people think that CNCs are just push a button and go. I mean, that's no not way. how it works. I mean, it no. takes a, a pretty big learning curve. Uh, once you once you like break into the into the software and kind of figure it out, then you can expand your skill set. But it's not as simple as just pushing a button and going. Yep. Nope. A lot. So of it does take too. some skill there. But that's where the communities, you know, why they're there, and that's why we recommend yep. machines that are well known by the community right. a lot because it's just a. If you can't hit the ground running, someone else is already, they hit the ground, they went through the strides, they know what to do, they'll be able to help you out. You know? Well, it's yep. not, should we jump rely on the next the, one? Rely on the, yeah, yeah, we got this yeah. one. Uh, this is Jeff with Two Moose Design. Hey guys, my one. question for Jimmy is, if you were to start your career all over again today, what would you do differently? Hmm. Uh, that's a really good question. And I, and I made a joke when I very first heard it that I would do better at math. (laughs) Um, you know, maybe I would, uh, I probably wouldn't dilly dally with like, with, with the small shit, if I could put it that way. I don't know if we can curse on this podcast, but, um, you know, (laughs) that's what explicit warnings are for (laughs) dealing with like riffraff and, you know, like. I spent so much time on like little entry level machines and entry level this and entry level that. 
only because 100%. I was afraid, and we just talked about this with the CNC machine, only because I was a little afraid to spend money on a better piece of equipment early on, if that makes yep. sense. It does. You know what I mean? Like, I, I always wanted a good more. lathe. I always I feel personally good... attacked right now, but yes, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I always wanted a good lathe, but I always like dilly dallied with, you know, for <clears throat> sentimental reasons with this lathe I grew up with. And then when I actually used a really good wood lathe, I was like, whoa, wow, man. But they're not like... mutually exclusive, you know? I mean, you can keep that lathe that means a lot to you and have that money making lathe for sure. And it's yeah, but what how... I'm saying is, is like, I, like I would, you, you know, it's all hindsight is 2020, but you know, right. being able to like, I don't know. I, I, when you don't have money, you don't have money. There's no easy way to spread it around. But, you know, like right. when I was first starting out and, um, you know, like I, I – yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't have a real good answer. I guess the answer would be, you know, just buy better equipment early basically is what I'm saying when it comes yeah. to what invest I'm Invest in your future. Invest in yourself. Yeah, yeah, invest in better equipment earlier on because, you know, you could just you, – you can get to making more quality things earlier. and. You know, your output can be, you know, you, you live within your means. So people all see like when I was in my little city shop and then I came up to the country full time to the house where I've always, I've always owned this house, but I never had a shop that I rented. I rent the shop nearby when I first came up here. And, uh, you know, when I realized country living was going to be where I'm a hundred percent, now I need a shop. So I shopped around in my little neighborhood and I found a 5,000 square foot space that I paid less for than the 1,000 square foot space I had in the city. With a giant parking lot in front, and my mm. landlord could care less what I put in the parking lot. I could literally have a fleet of Chevy trucks in there, and he wouldn't care. <laughs> I'm this listening. That's the dream. <laughs> so, you know, like, not only did I have interior space that I can protect my, you know, my belongings, but I have an exterior space where I could, I call it my junkyard, where I could have, yeah. yeah, I could stage my cars that I work on, and... You know, whatever, whatever, whatever. I can, I can get a, I can get a scrap machine for parts and leave it outside. Not have to bring it down in the city basement. So you know, there, and therein lies. I was kind of sticking it out in the city, thinking I was keeping it real, when all I was doing was limiting my capability by staying in a little basement. You know, there's yeah. a bigger, broader example of what I was talking about. That's that's yep. a great yeah, point. Yeah, you gotta and, be you know, able we, to invest we, in yourself. We beat up Chris Zepp all the time because he spends. 20% of his energy keeping his tools from flooding. <laughs> Just take two months, step back, three months, step back, get a new place. Get rid of that dream, you, 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 you know, this, this pipe dream he has of like making this. It is a very beautiful vintage building he lives in, he works in. He's got a, a good, decent rent. But how much is it worth you? You know, he would his his production and his output would be so much more if he had a space that he could drive a forklift around in. He loves collecting antique heavy stuff. Get a forklift. Get a place with a cement floor. Get a place that doesn't flood. Get a place that doesn't have a down driveway cut out of gravel. Get a place that you could drive your forklift inside of and outside of. You know, like when I got that capability, my life became like like I can breathe again. Like I, this yeah, whole time right. I felt like I was like, had like weights holding me down under the water, for instance. Yep, no, you know, pun intended. But in his defense. Oh God, it's done that. <laughs> <laughs> in his defense though, it's, it's really hard to break away from something like that when you feel, I feel like I'd be emotionally attached to that place as I'm sure he is as well. I'm, I don't, I don't want to speak for him, but it's, it's really hard to break away from that. And then it's easier to see that once you do break away from it and you can look 100%. back at it. And, and That's what I'm saying. I was right there. I, I was exactly, yeah. I'm like, 
you know what? I'm keeping it real. I'm in the Lower East Side of Manhattan. There's no other makers besides Casey Neistat that are in Manhattan. And, you know, I love my little community. And there's, like, beautiful girls all around. You could, like, people watch. And there's all these super weirdos that I'm friends with that I really enjoy. And then when I stayed into the country, I didn't have to talk to anybody. I didn't have to wait for a parking spot. I didn't have to get flooded poop in my shop. I didn't have to deal with rats. I didn't have to deal with cockroaches in my backpack. I was like, what was I doing? Now yeah. I'm in the country. All I got to do is worry about getting a tick every once in a while. <laughs> See, Dan, Dan's a little bitter because Mike and I both just moved out into the country. Both have acres of land. Both have bigger it's shops. It's funny. You guys You guys live in the uh, you know the busy part of the country, and I live in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> I'm in the Even city. In the suburbs <laughs> or city just outside of Omaha. But yeah, it's, it's, yeah. I, mean, it, I totally agree. It's nice to have that space. And Yes, I am bitter. Let's put it. But put it mildly. But that's, why, like that's why we in, keep oh, you you're on. In, you're in Nebraska. Like what? What highways through there? Ninety or something? Eight, Just get on ninety. 80. Drive for, I eighty. Actually, we're drive, all off drive of eighty. On I-80, that's the funny drive thing. on eighty for twenty minutes. Get off, and you'll probably be in a tremendous cornfield. I would. There, that's a long story, Jimmy. I don't think we have. A, I don't think we have enough time or therapists. Kayla. <laughs> I love right, my wife. Let's... We'll leave it at that. <laughs> it's a great school district. All right. Let's just say that. That's, yeah. <laughs> it's a great it's school, a great school district. district. I'm going to be uh, using that line all the time. Uh, this next question is from Lee. Lee Oman from Regal Street. Here we go, Lee's question. Hey, guys. It's Lee over at Regal Street. I had a quick question for Jimmy. Um, in my shop, I have an old craftsman bandsaw. You know, nothing special. Um, that was handed down to me from my parents. They've had it as long as I can remember. Um, it's it's nothing special, like I said, but I don't think I'll ever get rid of it, even when I do end up getting something better. Because um, it means something to me, you know? So, Jimmy, do you have any tools that you've either bought, made, or inherited that mean something to you? And uh, what is that tool? All right, guys. Have a great show. Thanks. Yeah, my, my bandsaw that I, that I cut out, for instance, I just used it on the the Carolina tailgate video, that bandsaw is the first bandsaw I ever had in my life. It's when my dad was a New York City fireman. There was a fire, older retired fireman who passed away, and his wife sold all of his stuff. And my dad bought all the machines. My dad bought the lathe. That uh, I think he bought the radial arm saw from that gentleman. That bandsaw, and uh, you know a few other hand tools that we still have. And that bandsaw was the bandsaw that I first learned to use when I was seven or eight years old. Oh, that's awesome. That's the one. That's the one I used in the video last week. That's awesome. Nice. I, is it just that's me or cool. is it always bandsaws? I feel like bandsaws have such a like sentimental thing because my Mine's first that too. I had a really hard time getting rid of was a bandsaw. It's one of my first vintage tools that I yeah. bought. And I, I ended up not selling it, but gifting it to my friend who they're rest- restoring a place in uh, Alabama. I'm like, you guys are broke. I would love to give this one to you. Like, <laughs> use it for your property. Use to resaw stuff. And it was hard to get rid of it. <laughs> it's always a bandsaw. You know, this is this is a little deep what I'm about to say, but the bandsaw for me represents rigid woodworking and free form at the same time because I was always cutting free shaped letters on the bandsaw. And so when people say the bandsaw like, you know, like like a fine woodworker like Mark or, you know, Macromona or those guys, you know, they might not use a bandsaw as often as I would. But they have it, you know, and they probably have a big deep blade on it because they're doing like long sweeping curves for, you know, like, a, you know, resawing. like this type of stuff like Matt does or resawing, right? obviously, yeah. you know, 
for me, I'm, I have a really thin blade on it, so I could make really tight curves, and I'm cutting letters out most of the time on it. So if you could understand where I'm coming from when I say the bandsaw for me, is it represents like artistic freedom in that way, but also represents woodworking, you know, the way that, you know, more traditional woodworker would use. So for me, it like kind of, it has like a foot in both, in both universes for me. So that's why I always liked it as like, it's like the anvil of the blacksmith shop, if, if that makes sense. Makes perfect sense. Uh, case in point, how you cut out those uh, swords at Maker Camp. You just like oh, whip them out. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. It was kind of you, a it was totally freeform. Com- like a comical when I first approached it. I'm like, it's this massive bandsaw with a quarter inch <laughs> blade on it. <laughs> but like, yeah. I mean, I saw what you were doing on it. It makes sense. Also, that table. Oh my God, it was bigger than my table saw table. Yeah, the table's oh. like 30 inches square. Oh, I've told this story before, but like, I never, before I got into woodworking, my, my family's in construction. So, you know, I know table saws and circ saws and all these traditional or, you know, more common woodworking tools that you see. But I remember when I first started watching videos like yours, Jimmy and, and uh, Pachuto and Claggett and all these guys, I started watching videos like that. And I, I started like getting into like, oh, woodworking sounds great. The idea of resawing a board, you know, that actually blew my mind and I still have that in my head still to this day. Because like when they took a board and made it, they're like, oh, we don't need it to be this thickness. And oh, we don't want to run it through the planer because we're wasting all this wood. We could just cut it to the size we need and now we have yeah. this other piece that we use. And it blew my mind and the and my, my emotional tool is my bandsaw as well because it was the first tool I bought with money that I had saved up from selling things I made with my other woodworking tools was my bandsaw that yeah. I have now. And it's not like, it doesn't have this really cool story like my dad got it or it was passed down from my uncle or anything like that. I bought it brand new, but I'll right. never get rid of that bandsaw because right. you know, the bandsaw was the, the learning yeah, like, in your life. Or, yeah. Yeah. Or no, like it was the first, it was the first like woodworking, like woodworking tool in my, for me, for my experience with yeah. it. So for me, I was like, man, you could do all this stuff. You could resaw, you could do all these curve cuts. It's just such a cool tool. It's the, the bandsaw. Don't go cheap on, get a cool bandsaw. That's yeah. all I have to say. The Absolutely. one tool that I have that I have a, a lot of sentimental value to is a tool that I got from my grandfather that he picked up in World War II in Germany C&C? and he gave it to me. <laughs> it's my fest tool domino. It is, <laughs> it really has a place in my heart. Yeah. I will never you get find rid of that it. on the battlefield. Yeah, yeah, yeah right <laughs> yes. on the battlefield. Yeah. He took it out of a yeah. We, we anyway. that that story is a little much for this all podcast. The, all the knobs yeah. are brass <laughs> instead of plastic. Yeah. <laughs> oh God, screeching halt! You can hear the brakes. <laughs> no, let's go to the let's go to the next question. It's uh, from Josh the dad. Here we go, Josh's uh, question. Hello, gentlemen. It's Josh the dad. Yep, Josh the dad. One of the big IG coming at you with a question. Finally. After so many weeks off, I've decided that while I don't have a lot of time to be on the IG, I can at least creep on the IG and I can think about the perfect question. And then you declared Mr. DeResta was going to be on the show. And I thought, I have a question for the common good of the community. I hope. So here it is. Mr. DeResta, when you go out and find old equipment and you're acquiring those pieces do you have a good go-to location for information about that piece of equipment, uh, whether it be an old drill press or saw or anything? Is there a good place mm-hmm. to go for one manuals, parts lists, all that kind of stuff, just to help you get it back up and running? All right. Have a great week, guys. Yeah. 
Yeah, I would say, uh, you know, you have Keith Rucker's resources that he puts up and that he, you know, it's kind of an open source thing where people can add to it. You have uh, old woodworking machines and you have vintagemachinery.com. Those are the two that I would go to right away. And, uh, you know, obviously one of the biggest resources is I reach out to Instagram. Every once in a while you see me just like say, hey, Instagram, I need some information on this. And, what is you this? Know, you get, yeah, what is this? What is this used for? And you know, it's like some castration device that's used on the farm. Like, the city boy. like hey, knucklehead, that's for uh, you know doing this, that, or the other thing. And you're like, oh, really? okay. You know, so uh, it's the community is the best way to find out. You know what you don't know, <laughs> right? Sure. The community is basically a big open source forum. Like, yeah, it's great. So great. That's honestly the yeah. best benefit of like growing a, a an audience. It's just like, mm-hmm. it's just a search engine. It's so great. You'll do a story and you'll get 10 different ways to do it differently or an explanation. Yeah. IG is my Ask Jeeves. <laughs> yes, it is my Ask Jeeves as well. It's Absolutely. my big. Oh, God. Okay, so oh. this next <laughs> one is from Barbara. The Barbara. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Hi, Jimmy. This is Barbara from my Wood is Hard (laughs) workshop. And hey, I got a hot question for you tonight. Who is the most talented Doresta in your family? Me personally, I really think it's your mother. But who do you think has the most talent? It's been great learning from you, buddy. Have a great one. Okay, bye. Well, it's funny, you know, we all each, uh, I'm one of four siblings and my brothers, I have two brothers and one is an extremely funny comedian. He's extremely talented. He's had varying degrees of success in show business. And I'm here because of what he has, because of the, you know, the, the hurdles he's broken down. That's why I'm here because of, you know, the, uh, the, the hardships he went through getting into the show business. And my brother Joseph is, is a, uh, a business guy in the way that like you could rattle off numbers and he's adding them up as you speak. And then by the time you're done, you say, well, if I, and he'll just say the number, like, you know, or, you know, you could, you could talk about like, uh, economics and stuff. And he, he completely understands economics and, you know, he's, he's always like two steps ahead of you with the math equations. And uh, that's something I just think that might I feel like me and Joseph could be friends. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, and then my sister is a jewelry designer and, uh, she's always, always been learning about, uh, precious metals soldering and and fusing precious metals she works with platinum and gold you know 14 and uh, 19 karat 14 karat gold i forget exactly but uh she knows everything about the casting process she's done the casting process but she she farms it all out but um you know she does wedding rings she sets precious stones and, wow. and diamonds she does all that stuff so she specializes joey specializes and john specializes in and I've always been a generalist when it comes to like all the various things I do. So, you know, we're all talented in our own ways. And, you know, it's, it's been a, it's, it's an amazing family to grow up in where we all, we're all so diverse and we don't, we don't butt heads creatively ever. You know, it's, if anything, you know, we, I've been texting with them all night long, my siblings, you know, we're That's always great. going back and forth. That's awesome. So, that's cool. My mom is the most talented. <laughs> so Barbara was right. Yeah. 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 No, my my mom, my mom has been an amazing sort. My mom's 82 years old. She's sharp as a tack. My dad, he's slowing down a little bit, but you know, my dad has provided all of us with a great sense of curiosity. And you know, my dad loves to see the CNC technology that's taken place. He's like, "Wow, you know, like it's the world has come such a far come along so far since he was a, you know, a young carpenter making stuff." 
You mean your dad doesn't look at the CNC and say, that's not real craftsmanship? No, believe it or not, my dad, you know, he seems like a hard-headed Archie Bunker kind kind of guy, and he is in some ways, but when it comes to creativity, he loves seeing new technology take over. He loves it. That's good. Yeah. That is good. That's great. Well, that's that's it for the, all the questions. call-ins. Do we want to do the read ones, or do we want to get to ours? Do you guys want to get to Well, Mike, or? you be the judge. Are the read ones good? We'll do, do a I haven't read them, to be honest. Why let's do. Uh, let's, I've, I've got one for you. I've got one for you, Jimmy. I've got one for you. Like, Go. and I think I know the answer. But do you have like an end game for you? I mean, is there an end game here? Like, is there like, okay, I do this and then I'm done? Well, you know what? It's funny because when I was in art school, what, my end game was to be able to sell art that I wanted to make and not what you're doing. That, which is what I'm doing. You know, that's always yeah. been the end game is to basically be. Like I would, I was envious. So in art school, you can go for commercial art, which means you're either making advertisements or you're doing graphic design, uh-huh. all in service of either a product or in service of a client that wants their logo, or you know, magazine that needs to spread. You're always in service of somebody else. Whereas the fine artists are basically just emotional expression is saying, "This is the way I'm feeling right now. It's going to manifest in this object. You buy this object, and one day that object is going to be worth a lot of money because I'm famous." Because I'm famous, right. because I'm a weirdo introvert, extrovert, weirdo performance right. artist, you know? And that's what makes that. And, you know, I always had the commercial artist mind, but I always envied the people that would be, would be able to just basically make physical expressions of their emotions. And, <clears throat> you know, thankfully through YouTube and, you know, my, the audience I developed, I'm able to do that. And, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm basically doing fine art, fine art expressions of my emotions through commercial art objects like the push sticks that are fingers you know or a big giant razor blade that just is like a big fun sculptural piece of object that really is a razor blade or you know this silly poster of this stupid thing i said on a podcast eight years if it ago. looks straight it is straight <laughs> yeah so you know and like like let me let me get my yayas out by uh, fixing this mechanical device that's been sitting on the street for 100 years and getting it working and creating art on it making content inspiring others to go get their printing presses and make the art that they want to make on it you know so in a way i i've i've done better than i thought you know i've been able to that's awesome you know, i've done a lot better than i thought and you know if i can if i could ride this out you know i'd be happy you know just continuously doing more and more of this like i don't know you i don't know you except for what i see on content that i can consume of yours you know i feel like but i feel like you're never going to be done though right is that an accurate no, description? I, I I mean, you just kind of yeah, always want to do this, right? Like, <clears throat> yeah, I hate traveling. I, I hate. I mean, I hate traveling for like the idea of vacationing. I, I, right. I would never. I hate the beach. I hate going to the Bahamas. I hate going where it's too warm. I'm the I same hate way. Going to a place to just be there and be like, okay, we're right. here. Let's just look. And, you like to. You, you know, want to do stuff. You have to be doing stuff, right? I have to be doing stuff. Yeah, when me and Taylor just traveled for two weeks in the first two weeks of September. You know, we we were exploring and, you know, I really had to like, in my mind, say, this is about taking in images. This is about taking in images, ideas, and places that will inspire my future ideas. And, you know, for that, because of that, I was able to do that trip and look around. It's not like, this is just to connect with Taylor and, you know, I'm, and, you know we're going to argue and we're going to get bored with sitting in the car for so long. 
But together we, you know, found the beauty in the mountains and the beauty in the hiking and the beauty in, you know, just discovering new products. You know, we'd pop in a store, we'd shop, but we wouldn't really need to buy anything. But we'd like, whoa, look at the design of this. Look at the design of this. Oh, wow. Look at this cool new handbag that we can both go home and make, you know, stuff like that. Like that sense of discovery and being surprised with new images that you otherwise wouldn't see if you stayed in your circle of activity, you know, so. Yeah. I complacence. I'm, I, if I'm gone from home for like more than five days, if I'm gone from home for more than five days, I'm like, ah, oh, get me back home immediately. But yeah, I have to like, as I've getting yeah. older, I'm like, I need to make myself go, okay, you know what? You don't get to do this. Just make, I have to like make myself enjoy it. And then, you know, if I can be level-headed with myself, I can make myself enjoy it. But man, I just want to be in my shop as much as I can at all times. So it's tough. That's like, it. I, never, I mean, the only I, place I yearn to go, like if I had, if I yearn to go anywhere in this world, it would be Egypt. I've been to Rome, you know, the, the yes. creative, back sort of creativity. <clears throat> I would love to go to Egypt and, you know, because Egypt, Egyptology has really inspired a lot of the, my thinking and, you know, as it manifested in like literal Egyptologist art, but, you know, the, just the thinking right. of the ancient, you know, the ancient Egyptians four, is... Four, 6,000 years ago, they were making what they're making. It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. You know, they all had stone, so they made everything out of stone. And it was great. They had, right. they had alien help, too. Well, but we that, that. Yeah. That's a different episode. <laughs> <laughs> so do well, I. I have a question to kind of play off of Mike's and uh, And you don't have to go into, obviously, too far of a detail here. But, like, you're kind of living the dream. Like, but what is your business? You know, people could say, like, well, does Jimmy, he doesn't work a nine to five. Like, how do you, how do you make money just being an artist? Like, doing what you're doing? Like, and well, obviously, you don't have to talk about the numbers, but just kind of, like, yeah, what are your no, revenue streams question. and stuff? Uh, you know, it's, I basically tell people I'm like a one person advertising agency and, you know, it's just, it is just me. I mean, not obviously now it is only just me since Aaron's passed. I do have help now from Rob Rojas is, is kind of slowly helping me out. He just graduated college. So he has more time now. Um, my buddy, Mike, the fireman helps me out a little bit, you know, around the shop, but going forward, like the way I make money is through my website selling products to my website. We have a pending deal with Walmart. So, you know, that might be very lucrative potentially. I hope so. Um, I just connected with a, with a giant factory in, uh, in China that manufactures tools all around the world and they might want me to help Contour them. gauges by chance? <laughs> uh, no, no, actually it's uh it's a company that manufactures all cobalt and like all the stuff, like okay. in all the big box stores. Oh, okay. They're like cool. a behind like, the scenes manufacturer. So yeah, yeah. I might help them design a line of products. So there's always those types, like right now that's just a conversation, yeah. you know, right, but right, there's right. always those types of conversations going on in the background. And I'm very lucky to be able to kind of make all these different connections. <laughs> and a lot of it comes back to, you know, my YouTube channel. Like somebody saw me do this and then contacted me and said, Hey, if you can do that, can you help me design this? And I'm always looking for the bigger game now, especially since I'm older. I'm never looking for like the one-time thing where I could make ten thousand dollars. It's like mm-hmm. like when a tool company comes to me and is like, "Hey, would you want to make a video about this?" I'm like, I would not rather make a video, but more rather make a relationship. You know, let's make a one-year relationship. Let's make a two-year relationship. Yep. And if they're not up for it, then I just say, you know what? I mean, I just I'd rather save that space for somebody that wants to make that two-year relationship. I don't want to do yep. just one video for your gadget and then people think that you know your color tool is now my color tool. It's yep. not necessarily right. the way I want it to be. I once, um, sorry, Jimmy. Yeah, I once heard on your podcast you you mentioned I can't remember when it was, but it, I think it's been some time ago that you mentioned you call yourself an artist simply because of the write off capabilities. Like as an artist, oh, you can you can write almost true, anything yeah. off. 
as uh, you know, early on, I was an inventor, and still, like since like ninety one, my tax return says artist inventor as my occupation. And uh, <clears throat> as an artist and inventor, everything is research and development, pretty much. I, I mean, and it's not, it's not, it's not a lie, you know. Like no, no, it's I accurate. Could buy like a, I could buy a lever action rifle because I'm studying the mechanics of it, so I could write off a seven hundred dollar, you know, old Henry rifle. Wow. That- um, you yeah, know, that stuck with me. That that whole that whole that's line of thinking. Point. That's brilliant. So, are you, is there like a Duresta LLC or Duresta Incorporated? Oh yeah, no, Duresta Unlimited has been in business. Well, Joseph, my brother, and I had a Duresta Unlimited since uh, like ninety three, ninety four. Duresta Unlimited, October twenty eighth of ninety four. Yeah, <laughs> is that really? Sad? No, it's today. <laughs> oh, no, <I'm> sorry. <laughs> another anniversary. <laughs> <today. laughs> I thought you were looking online. Um, no, so we had that. So Duresta Unlimited was our toy development company. And uh, then we, we dissolved that. And Joey Joey started his own little LLC. And I started mine in 2008. So Duresta Unlimited Incorporated is like an entertainment product development. It's just like, it's just my little corporation. And when people say, what do you do? I said, I'm a fabricator. That's just the overall Very general. Cool. But, uh, you know, it's funny. Like my... my uh, uh, my I work with a creative accountant that uh, handles uh, people in the entertainment business, people in the sports business, people in he handles strippers and he he's a, so he handles people with like oddball income so he knows mm-hmm. how to deal with that stuff and he's and we, we we've been I've been his client he's been mine since I don't know ninety one or three ninety somewhere around that that's cool. And the reason I ask that Surround is because people ask us people. all the time of like, how do you handle your business? What are your incomes? Like, how do you, like the accountant answer was great. I wasn't even expecting that. He's like, find yourself an oddball accountant. That's actually yeah. pretty good because they'll know how to take and, advantage and of And I still incomes. take jobs. Yeah. I still take jobs. You know, I have like all my, my liquor clients, you know, everybody kind of knows it as Bullet Bourbon, but mm-hmm. my Bullet Bourbon guys are a marketing firm that gets hired by bullet bourbon so they're called proof media mix because they handle mostly liquor businesses so it's called proof media which is kind of a pun on the name right what kind of proof so proof media mix is the company that hires me for bullet bourbon george dickel whiskey right now we're working for this wine company that that's paying me to do this uh, enclosed trailer that they're going to serve wine out of and um, you know, a lot of the signage that I've done over the years is all been for proof media. That's awesome. They pay, they get a budget like an advertising agency and then they right. pay me and I'm not their only artist. Mm-hmm. I'm just right. one of their artists, but they can rely on me to come up with creative solutions a lot, a lot of the time. And, you know, Chuck and Bobby always throw me the, the stuff that they know I'm going to handle quickly. And, you know, they know I like doing the rustic stuff, which is great because all this whiskey stuff is, you know, Kentucky whiskey stylized, you know, barns you know, old wood of rusty metal, you know, that's kind of right. My, it's like my wheelhouse. It's yeah. really on brand for all those companies. And um, such a great relationship to have for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, they've become some of my closest friends, you know, it's, and it's mm-hmm. great. And, you know, it's not, it's funny. I'll even, like, I take jobs from Chuck all the time. I just start working on it. Like I'll be like halfway through it. I'm like, how much are you getting, how much are you getting paid for this? Because I'll just start giving you money. <laughs> so he just gives me like, he just like, you know, sells me, sells me 5,000 every couple days until he's like, is that enough? I'm like, I don't know. Is that enough? Is, are you okay with that? He's like, yeah, I'm okay. I'm like, I'm okay with that. That's, <laughs> That's a great, great relationship. You know? I made all those trailers for those guys last year. I don't even know if they paid me the right amount or I, I lost track, but. I made money. You remember those those bullet bourbon trailers I made last summer? For sure. I made 53 of them, which is unbelievable. Holy smokes. Wow. Yeah. uh, So kind of a follow-up question. Like what 
what, what is your origin story? Because we've heard you kind of like over the years how you grew and everything, but like, mm-hmm. did you get bit by like a radioactive bandsaw? Like what? <laughs> what <laughs> like how did, what made you go, I'm going to make stuff. I'm going to start cutting things and welding them or whatever. Well, you know, I, I just a short version of is, uh, when I was a student at the School of Visual Arts, I was a heavy drinker. I was an alcoholic drinker. So my first year at the School of Visual Arts, I was drinking too much. You know, I, I kind of was like a rudderless ship. I just like all I knew I wanted to do was get drunk all the time. You know, on the week I was like more of like a recreational drunk, a recreational alcoholic. I wasn't drinking throughout the day. I didn't need to go hit a bottle of whiskey in the middle of the afternoon. But every weekend I got so drunk, you know, I'd black out with my friends, and it was just like I couldn't wait till the weekend to party and get super smashed. And then as I started focusing more on like, what is my life going to be about? I became, and I decided to stop drinking primarily because my older brother had a serious car wreck, drunk driving. He didn't die. He didn't kill anybody. And so we all took it as a wake up call. So he stopped drinking in 1986 at the, the night of his accident. And I stopped drinking just a few months later. And I didn't take me an accident. I used his accident as my, as my stopping point. And then I just kind of submerged myself in like, instead of the addiction of drinking beer and whiskey, I submerged myself in the addiction of just working all the time. Because Joey, my brother, and I were both now sober with like copious amounts of free time because we weren't like focused on partying all weekend. Like we would literally like drink like 10 cases of beer, like from Friday to, you know, like with a group of people, not each individual. Right. You know, (laughs) like, and we'd be like, look at how many empty beer bottles we had. Isn't this cool? You know, like that's completely (laughs) worthless energy right. spent and money spent and so now on a weekend we'd be hanging out in the workshop being like okay what what can we do the there was this this art character called fido dido that was printed on t-shirts so my brother's like what what can our fido dido be what can our thing be and we started developing concepts and then uh i got into the school of visual arts i mean i was in the school of visual arts at the time and then i got into a toy design class and the toy design class i pulled my brother into and we realized toy design is like a it's like a fashion. So my my teacher at the time, his name was Mark, took me right out of SVA, School of Visual Arts, my, in 1990, and started introducing me all around the toy business. And so my brother, I pulled Joey into that business, and we started designing and developing toys. And you know that was my foundation for like a fashion business where it's like constantly inventing things, constantly coming up with new ideas, constantly looking for you know that push stick with the missing finger, and you know not taking myself too serious. And, <laughs> You know, because I cut my pinky off, my push stick is missing a pinky. You know, I, they sewed mine back on, but the you know the joke on the push stick, and you know the the silly posters and the stupid things that we always jokingly say, and and you know with a sense of graphic design and you know a nod to like you know the nineteen twenties thirties Art Deco look that I always like, you know the Industrial Revolution look as spoke wheels, and you know all this stuff just started coming together. I mean, I'm going really quickly through the timeline, but, you know, the idea of being in the toy business and learning all the disciplines of how things would get made, how you can do short runs, how you can do long runs and how you could sell to sell your ideas, you know, and and like I, that was my foundation. And, you know, I think I'm lucky in that regard because now I'm in, I'm in YouTube and, you know, I'm not, I'm no Colin Furs, believe me, Colin Furs is like my, is my idol. Someone like Colin who's constantly topping himself, he's constantly topping himself, but, you know, in my own little you know, the rest of the stratosphere, you know, uh, biosphere rather, I'm, 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 I'm happy, you know, I'm, I'm happy with the, that I get to own a tractor, I get to own a backhoe, you know, like all these things that I've always wanted as a little kid, you know, now I have them. And, Word. You know, and, you know, they're fun, they're fun toys, I'm on a big piece of property that I didn't pay a lot of money for, you know, I have friends in Manhattan that are buying like an apartment as big as the room that I'm in right now for $900,000. <laughs> 
you know, and they have a maintenance fee that's, you know, $1,500 a month because they have a doorman. <laughs> I, you know, I'm mortgaged onto $250,000 for 40 acres. And, you know, wow. my bedroom, my house has 11 bedrooms in it. You know, what? my big barn, you know, I, and I think, cause I don't have any children, you know, I don't have the expense of my, all my siblings have children. Uh, children you know, are worse. My children, my children are, you know, my two barns in the backyard <laughs> in my machine shop, you know. Those are my children. It's amazing. Before I forget, I want to go back yeah. to you said you were a toy designer there for a while. Yeah. Am I correct in saying that? And I think I heard this on your podcast. Mm-hmm. You you designed or helped design several toys that were very popular in the nineties. And mm-hmm. yeah, one of them was a thing called Sky Dancer. It was a doll yes. that would fly out of like a little handset. And it was my friends, John and Anthony, it was these two brothers that came up with that idea. They're really behind the scenes creatives. And uh, they they came up with this idea of like, you know, this this thing that you'd spin in your hands and it flies up, you know, like uh-huh. that stick. Yeah. It's a toy from like, you know, the turn of the century. And they figured out like if that was the arms of like a little fairy dust, you know, they, they saw that and had this sort of like LSD acid trip moment being like, <laughs> that's not a stick in a set of wings. That is a princess, and those are her arms that look like butterfly wings, you know? And so they turned that, you know, as a way to look at that something. And then it was like, okay, how can we make that? But how can we make it so the arms fall down? And that's where I came in, helping them to kind of develop this handset and stuff. And then there was a couple of years there where the thing was actually selling, but people were like pulling on the string to set the doll into into flight, and they'd pull it to their face. (laughs) And so I came up with this clutch device that, you know, basically they had to hold it like, they had to hold it level to earth. Because if they pulled it this way, the little ball would lock it out. They'd be like a little weighted oh. ball. Oh, brilliant! Lock it yeah. out. So I, I helped develop the you know the lockout mechanism for Generation Two. So I helped <laughs> them on that. And uh, you know, our own personal so-called successful toy was this thing called Gurgling Guts, which is like a that's the one. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. That was an idea that I came up with. Thankfully, I invented that, and we sold that. We were able to market that, and you know that that made us a lot of money. But we split it. Four or five ways because there was a couple of partners on it. So, you know, I made millions of dollars, but I split it 18 <laughs> ways and it took like three years to make, you know, that small piece of it. So it was just a living at the time. You know, I wasn't able to, get, you know, earn FU money. Yeah. That's, that's still fascinating, though. <laughs> you earned in my the life, next thing money. Yeah, exactly. And in my life, I've gone, you know, completely broke. I mean, just before YouTube, I was living paycheck to paycheck. You know, I mean, I've had moments like that. You know, I, when I bought my house, I was certainly completely broke. I was like, every month was just to pay the mortgage. But I had a house, you know. That's Like my mother called it, your house poor. She said when, you know, when she and my father <laughs> were getting a presentation of somebody who's house poor. Yeah. Notice there's no curtains. We've been here for 12 and years. so you get more light. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to brighten your day. Yeah, you know, so I was house poor for a while. Like I said, you know, I had a piece of... I had a piece of the American dream, but I, you know, I could barely pay my mortgage and my rent, you know, and then and here I am, I'm a glutton, I have a house and a rent, you know, like, why don't you just have one or the other? But anyway, you know, I, I always say you want to, you want expensive things because it forces you to work harder. Yeah. You know, me and my business partner, Howard, who's, you know, he's, he's, he's not a creative in the way that we are, you know, he's very creative when it comes to business. Um, he always says there's ways of making, there's ways of making more money is figuring out how to earn more money or investing the money you have. And those are the two ways. And I'm a strong believer in just earning more money because I'm an idiot because I don't know how to invest money. Right. Dogecoin. <laughs> Doge <laughs> cool. What, what are the questions? Well, about? yeah. Well, uh, the, we I got this. Of, I think we should. 
We're going to run we long. Why one, do you guys want to wrap this we up have, more? We have one written in question, and I kind of wanted to use it as my question and do not it. give any Hit credit it. to John Johnson whatsoever. Okay. <laughs> He wrote in, and I'm asking, what project have you wanted to do for a long time but still haven't had the time to do it? Mm-hmm. Uh, either build like a hot rod or a motorcycle. You know, it's it's something like like the way Jesse James would or, you, you know, uh, 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 any of these guys like uh, um, uh, Indian Larry. Orange County Choppers. <laughs> yeah, or those guys. You know, the way they build a motorcycle from scratch. I've mm-hmm. always wanted to do that. You know, these guys do it, you know, once a week or once a month, you right. know, I, it's mm-hmm. obviously a big undertaking for me because I just don't have the experience of like kind of jumping through something like that. So that's something I've always wanted to do. And, you know, that for me, that could potentially be a retirement project because when I built my canoe, that's what I was thinking, actually, 2018, that that's a long, that's one of those long term projects. You really got to you really got to be fastidious and make sure you add to it every day or, you know, you you have some progress every day because Taylor and I took apart this Honda to fix up and you know, it just sits there and we, no one's got the time to work on it anymore. But this old awesome. uh, CB 700 that we CB 400 that we got, now, this hot it's rod, all there in buckets. Would it be a, like a truck or like a lower Possibly truck? A truck. truck? What are we, what are we talking about here? You know, I like, I like things that aren't too, you know, I say a hot rod, like, like a, a tea bucket or something like that, but probably more like a rat rod. You know, because nice. I I like rust, so like I like I like yeah, things yeah. that are in in states of decay. You know that like that are in arrested states of decay. That's what I always like. You know, so like I I like the oh, idea. Even it's funny. Me and me and uh, Paul Pinto were texting today. He's like, dude, you got to get yourself a thirty one hundred because he knows I love Chevys <laughs> and and he's working on a fifty three Ford now. And he's like, you got to get like your thirty one hundred would be like a you know an early fifties Chevy. You know the bubbly nose like Anavol Trades has that kind of style. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Drop a five seventy two in that sucker. That'd be fun. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Have you seen Have you seen their new block engine they just announced? The, the big yeah, old six seventy four, whatever that is. Yeah, I said to uh, Mike Crazy. the fireman. He sent me that. He goes, "Dude, look at this." I go, "I go, let's get a car to put it in." He goes, "Dude, that engine's like ten grand." <laughs> He's like, "Slow your roll." I'm like, "Is it really?" He's like, "That's it's, what he said." I didn't. It's insane. It. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. That's a whole other. John, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like that, you know, like I would love to like get a brand new crate engine and stick it in some sleeper or something. Oh yeah, It'd be super fun. Yeah, put it in a Volkswagen Sweet. bug. <laughs> put it in. The, put it in a Cadillac. Just put it in a Tesla body. <laughs> oh, speaking of Cadillac hearse, don't you have like a a Ghostbusters like type of hearse? Yeah, Is a, that a, a Cadillac? hearse? Yeah, I bought it. Uh, I bought it in August. A 1957 uh, Cadillac hearse. Yeah, with. Uh, very low miles, and you know. It's, Please tell me you're going to make it look like the Ghostbusters car. I, I, no, I bought it under the condition that I wasn't allowed to do that. Oh. You know, if, you, if you paint this car and screw it up, I'm going to kill you. It's like, I won't do All right, fine. I thought it, I thought that was like you had to do that illegally. I thought everybody has to do that it if they does buy one have a them. siren on top because it, it's called it's what? called a combo, which means it's either a, it's either an ambulance or a hearse. Oh. It's kind of like a it's like a city morgue truck if you could imagine. <laughs> Right. That's so Seriously, dark. That's really what it is. It's Comes awesome. With a big spatula. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just a sli- big funny. slide out in the back, just like. But it's for you know you can put a toolbox on there. Yeah. Oh, like the slide out. You <laughs> yeah, have yeah, those slide trucks. outs in your in the back of your truck. truck. Yeah. yeah, that'd be yeah. Funny. <laughs> same thing. Yeah, the slide out though would be a coffin. <laughs> right, it'd be, it'd be coffin or toolbox, whatever. <laughs> that's funny. Why not both? Yeah. In fact, you know what a good coffin would be for someone like me would be one of those toolboxes you stick across the bed of your truck. <laughs> it was like 
It's not going to tell Taylor. So when it's time to put me in the ground, just go to Home Depot and buy one of those toolbox bed trucks. Get one of those, what, what are they called? Krakens or whatever? What What are they called? What's the brand name? Is it Kraken? I don't why, did I, why did I think of that name? I don't know. Is that a Menards brand? I might be on Kraken. I don't know. <laughs> Kraken reminds me of Trump's lawyer, the one that was going around saying the Kraken. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck she was talking about. Release the Kraken. <laughs> I still don't know what she's talking about. Uh, nobody does. Then, then they showed an image of like an octopus on a big giant like <laughs> ship. I'm like, is the Kraken some Bible thing? I don't know what the hell talking about. Oh, jeez. Oh, All right, listen, Jimmy, huge honor to have you on here, man. Like, so seriously, fun. like. <laughs> really blows our mind. You're like an incredible inspiration, man. Like it's uh, well, it's surreal that you're on here, and man, you you really Thanks, are Mike. amazing. And I know, I know, I speak for both of these guys, but when I say like you're a big part of not just me getting into the maker community and and creating and and that stuff, but also being a part of a content side of it. You know, the more important thing is obviously the creation side of it. But, but getting in, wanting to be a part of the woodworking community and the and the maker community, it's uh, you're definitely really high up on that list as to why that happened for me. And I know it's the same for these guys. So, uh, thank yes, you, thank we you, thank you, thank really, you. I mean, no, thank you. Like, seriously, thank you. So yeah. we really appreciate you come on the show, uh, a lot. It's really great. Uh, it was really great to talk to you. Um, just couldn't stop listening to what you're saying. And, uh, we just really appreciate it so much. So yeah, thank, you. Um, thank you. Thank all no, three of you. Thank you guys. Thanks. I yeah. feel like we're close now. Is there any chance I can get a lock of your hair for, <laughs> yes. you know, for science reasons? <laughs> like I said, you know, just hang out, hang out with me long enough. You can just pick it up off the floor. Right. Beard, I'll be over tomorrow. Head? You want back hair? What do you <laughs> Back hair would be great. <laughs> there's not much back Please. hair, but there's not enough, there's not <laughs> enough hair in the back of my head. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Well, now that we're all comfortable. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Dunlop. Let's go a post show. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you guys got me here for, right? Yeah. Do you guys uh, do a post show? Well, it's just us no. riffraffing. No. Yeah. No way. Yeah. Well, if we have no a good enough sleepy. show, we'll I gotta throw edit. it at the patrons or something. But, right. oh, yeah, we're you guys can ask me a secret question in the after show. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. We'll do, a, we'll do an after, a secret <laughs> after Let's say goodbye show. to the we're listeners then. What kind of edit this thing? It's going long. Well, Mike, no, but, yeah. no, seriously, big yeah. thank you to you. Yeah, Huge but big thanks. thank you to uh, the listeners, guys. Uh, this is a big show, so be sure to share this if you can in your social media. You know, do it in your stories. Don't make a post about it. That'd be crazy. But uh, share the show. Put the word out there for us. We really appreciate you doing that. We really appreciate you guys uh, keeping us alive in the feed and all the support you give us. You guys are amazing. You guys are the best listeners. We really appreciate it very much. So we'll be back next week for another show. We'll have no guests, but the week after that, we have Roz joining us, which is going to be awesome. Yes. So uh, looking forward to that as well. So uh, that's kind of it for the show. Thank you, Jimmy, man. Really, truly, man. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Thank, Thank you, you Jimmy. Thank you, listeners.